0: Ooh, this looks like a fun shirt. You're lucky I'm not allowed to do magic outside Hogwarts. (laughs) I need to be one of those. Greetings, Scott. Just
1: had to go grab my two copies of the thing.
0: You have two copies? You have two?
1: One of them's on a tablet and one of them is a book. Ah. Although I guess the tablet one I could technically open on my computer, too. So what's the plan for this whole thing?
0: My idea is that we're going to just kind of talk about the book a little bit and kind of just a real rough overview and our feelings about it, whether or not we liked it. Maybe just if I don't want to do spoilers, so we're not going to, like, go Mm. through the story or anything like that. We're not going to
1: do summary and so on.
0: We can do a brief summary and we can maybe say parts that we liked. And then we'll have cool. David come on and kind of tell what his plans are for the future books. I don't uh-huh. think it's going to go very long. I just want to kind of get people interested in it because it just, yeah. I really So
1: we're it. doing more of a kind of trying to get a people to you. go get it themselves rather than going mm-hmm. through the whole, yeah. Yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. And I, <laughs> went, I guess it wasn't that obvious. <laughs> I
0: went looking for Rizoko, however we say it. and uh, he's book. Say it again. Squirrel. Yeah, that's not how my text reader says it at all. I can't, I can't
2: imagine that.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the u doesn't get pronounced very much. It's almost a glottal stop. Yeah. Um,
2: so I, well, it took me ages to figure out that it was squirrel, and I I wasn't putting two and two together. And then I was finally just like, oh god, I was being very stupid.
1: <laughs> You're the one who actually knows Japanese.
2: I know well the funnier thing was I picked up on the fact that her sister's name is Rabbit like immediately.
1: Okay, that's cool. Uh, I, I did, did not know that.
2: Did not know that either. But anyway, I interrupted you so you were saying.
0: That's okay. Um I literally have a file on my hard drive just called David that has his stories in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we could just say he's a friend of yours that you wanted to Yeah. Cover his book. I almost I
0: got to meet him. What happened? So we had planned on meeting up that I was going to go in and we were going to have dinner. And yeah. it was a really, really busy week for me. And it was a really, really busy week for him. And both of us realized that he was here the day he was leaving. We both spaced oh. it. <clears throat> and there was no way. It was like podcast night. Oh, and there was just man. no way I could pull it off. So we should probably start this because David will be ready to come uh, on at about 7. And okay. then we'll just okay. go from there. Let me yeah. I need to go
1: are... get some water, but I'll, I'll be back in, okay. in a very short time. What are we talking about?
0: I just said that
2: my, I had a... The, the kind of books we have.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, advanced review copies. Which is why, you know, the first page is all kind of messed up.
2: <laughs> really? Oh, you mean the, the first page of the text?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. page five the first page of yep. the first year and extraneous Z in it
3: yep. and okay. things like Zed. that
1: <laughs> yes i know i'm good at it. Uh, <laughs> and the weird thing is which i should probably bring up in the podcast the uh, the actual it's been rearranged it's only that oh. first scott you i'm losing you. so that i've noted I've, i haven't and this, by just, side, this
0: is very comparison bad. of everything. <coughs> Hang on a minute. So I'm gonna might go have, open There might the have door. been some
1: other. Well, but that's the only. We should start. The proof exchange was our last best hope for conversation. We failed.
0: But in season three, it became something great. Our last best hope for Welcome to the Puffo Exchange, one of the members of the Puffo family of podcasts. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. And I'm Mooney. And today we are going to
1: Puffo be- Exchanges are our are... <laughs> Go ahead. <coughs> Puffo Exchange was our original spin-off of it. its kind of the way I are said we cut- some stuff. Are you cutting out? <laughs> yeah, Maybe. it is.
2: I even
0: went and opened the door and I'm sitting in the cold thinking that Weird. that would help the internet. Easton sounds fine. Yeah, you're both sort of cutting out for me, but we'll keep going mm. and see what happens. Yes, it it's the first spinoff <laughs> of the Potterfic yeah. Weekly family oh. of podcasts. And today we are Euro. going to. <laughs> this is very bad.
1: Today. Oh, well, wow. delay.
0: We are going to review a story that I found, and I will butcher its name, so we're going to let Mooney say its name. It's called Risco. Risco. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Close enough.
1: Most people in English would probably call it Risuko or something of that nature, but it is a Japanese title, so Mooney's probably got it closer to right. Um,
2: And then is it Kunuchi? Kunuchi? Akunuchita? Inoichi. Yeah. Uh, hold on, I have to see
0: it written out. I'm telling you right now that I'm going to mess up all of the words in this story.
1: Whatever. It's the first book in the Seasons of the Sword series by David Kudler, and it follows a young woman in a sort of historical, possibly vaguely fantasy version of Japan, whose nickname is Risco, which means squirrel. Her actual name is is let's see here it says in the little prologue it's um,
0: kono kano
1: her name her, her name is mirasaki, mirasaki. Uh, her, her last name is kano but being japanese it goes first got it and her family name i guess i should say is kano um, and her name would be mirasaki everyone calls her squirrel because she likes to climb things a lot
0: she loves to climb she loves to climb trees And she's good in the trees. She can, you know, walk across the branches and swing from tree to tree and, and do all All sorts
1: of things that I could not even attempt to do.
0: Amen. No, no. And she's also got really good eyesight and is, um, very bright. And basically this is a story of what happens to her. She, I'm trying very hard not to spoil it. She's taken from her village by an older woman and is taken to a school where she believes she's going to learn to be a scribe like her father was.
1: Well, uh, she was planning to learn to be a scribe because that's what her father was. Uh, This woman comes and takes her and seems very interested in the fact that she can climb and has great eyesight and things. Mm -hmm. And it seems like she's going to train her to be Basically, an, uh, an, like a a, a server kind of, like a castle servant or a almost uh, a kind of geisha, a, a temple. Yeah, um, that's what I was
0: gonna say. A temple temple
1: attendant. Yeah. yeah. So, some somebody who could you know maintain the temples and see to the comfort of guests and people who come to worship at the shrines and things like that. And she doesn't really get how her skills are at all relevant to this. And why would this woman come halfway across the country to take her to some school? But, uh, that the details of that are revealed as we go through the story.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, it's quite an adventure just getting to the school. <laughs> That's for sure. And once they get there, she learns a lot of things that she doesn't quite understand why she's learning, she spends a lot of time, uh, helping the cook and learning to basically butcher animals for the food mm-hmm. that they cook. And, and the cook is great. He's Korean. He's not Japanese. Yeah. And, and he's a lot of fun. He's
1: basically Hagrid.
0: <laughs> yeah, he
2: is.
1: <laughs> They've kind of made him a little bit like Hagrid. I never
2: thought about that.
1: Put that together. It's just got, She. he's, David is trying to kind of convey how a Korean dialect or accent sounds in Japanese. And so he's got this almost piratey way of phrasing things because mm-hmm. the book itself is written in English. He's an interesting character. He, he's probably one of the more sympathetic people we meet at the school for the first bit. Cause he, you know that this woman who's brought her and several other girls along It has something in mind, and every now and then she shows flashes of, you know, compassion or being helpful, but most of the time she's just a cranky old woman, and, like, she makes uh, Risco uh, run behind the palanquin for, you know, half a mile to make it to the first place that they stop and all of this stuff, but...
2: (laughs) She reminded me of Mrs. Medlock. I don't know who Hmm. that is. Secret Garden?
1: Mm, I can see that, yeah. You can tell that she's, you know, wants to train up, train these girls up for something and she's trying to make them tough, but she's not really a very nice person. No. Uh, but You know, she has her own reasons for doing all of this, which, um, we get some of the historical background for at the end of the book as well. Um, that's another interesting thing about this is David has really done his research into this period of Japanese history and how things could have happened at the time because, there's a lot that we don't know. Looking at it from 2016,
0: but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's an interesting tale. I really enjoyed learning some of the history and about the different. Well, and you know me, I love the herbs and the different pieces mm-hmm. and things for the herbs and the cooking. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's interesting too. They, act, they we get a fair amount of description of what they learn. Um, what. Various vegetables and herbs and different meats are used for. And this Korean cook is very much subscribes to the kind of four humors philosophy. Like there's. Yes. Cold and hot, there's uh, dry and wet, there's earthy and fiery and things like that. And he looks at the people he's going to be serving food to and their personalities and says, oh, uh, she has too much fire in her. We have to feed her earth things. Uh, You You
0: get bean curd. No food for you, Missy. (laughs) Uh, I would not like that one bit. No, not at all.
1: Mm -hmm. And And there's bits of it that, you know, we look at it from Western philosophy and go, uh, I mean, that doesn't, that makes no sense. They should, you know, all get various different kinds of protein and stuff. But in some ways, some of the things that he's doing actually do, uh, you know, you can see where this philosophy comes from and how it works, because mm -hmm. some of the stuff does really have an effect. Right. Mm -hmm. So
0: So she's taken to the school. She has... Chores that she has to do. She helps out in the kitchen. She serves food. She helps make the food. They clean the bathhouse out every night. There's yeah. very strict rules that if you're, is it the novice? What is there something below a novice? Uh, um, it's a novice and then initiate. I think is how. works. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so they she, they they all start out as novices. As novices. So they get all the. Um, the menial tasks and mm-hmm. the things to do and they don't get to see everything that everybody else is doing because they all have their own special classes and training things that they're doing that are presumably much more interesting or at least seem so to the novices
0: yes and, of course. Then, and they aren't allowed to talk to the mid and they yeah, are so she
1: has a friend there's a, a boy that she meets on the way there that she would like to you know say things to every now and then but they kind of have to find moments when they can have a brief conversation and go on the way because novices aren't allowed to speak to men apparently mm. and they all have different <laughs> training things it it really is it's kind of a cross between historical novel because it's it's set in this historical period and then your basic going away to school or boarding school thing because it's like they have their training things that they do and stuff that they have to do, and they sleep in the dorms, and then they have to get up at early, and it's annoying and it's mm-hmm. it's there's very much this teenage point of view because it's all coming through um you know risco's um observations and things. Mm-hmm. But you also get all of this interesting historical detail, and how would they have made these things at this time? How do you get water in uh, whatever century Japan that this is?
2: Right. 16th century, I believe, because it's the time of the Warring states, period. Mm -hmm.
0: So they're, you know, hauling water back and forth to the the, the bath and, and lighting the fire. And they the have to learn through.
1: how to, you know, pluck chickens and slaughter a pig or do whatever because these are the things that you have to do when you're in a kitchen. You don't have a refrigerator to, you know, take stuff out of. You mm-hmm. have to get the meat and chop it up before you can do anything with it.
0: Right. <laughs> and you know, it, most women of that time would know how to do a lot of that if they were lucky enough to be able to have those things because these kids are coming from very poor families who a lot of them are
1: orphans yeah or she she had a single mother because her her father died sometime earlier before this book and
0: yeah yeah so i mean they're learning life lessons that would that their parents would have probably taught them had their parents been around and her mother Mm -hmm. has actually taught her how to cut up a chicken and things like that because they've gotten foul before but it's been a really long time since they've had any beef or pork mm-hmm. because yeah, she's like
1: never seen a cow because that's, that's really expensive yeah mm-hmm. you could have one cow through the whole village and you know split it all up mm-hmm.
0: and and the korean cook is just great cuz he can use just about every part of the animals. I mean, he pretty much the feathers, the skin, the bones, the beaks, and the offal is what he doesn't use, and mm-hmm. he um, he has uses for everything else. So yeah, he could some use of the his bones, own right stuff. You? So. Mm-hmm. you could boil it for soup and stock. Yeah, so you the get the marrow
1: out of them and mm-hmm. things like that.
0: And yeah. the the intestines would be good for like sausages or something like that. If they make that kind of thing, I don't know that they would do that.
2: I don't know.
1: So. Yeah. And uh he brings his own uh, ideas about food and things like that. So we've also got kimchi and mm-hmm. other things that you would get from Korea. And you got to <laughs> watch out for that because it's not your ordinary cabbage.
2: No, I it, just laughed so hard at that.
0: It could be a little spicy, that kimchi. It's
1: one of the sort of fun things that is a uh, secondary thread through, through the story is uh, Risco has a uh, I guess a school rival kind of the the Draco Malfoy to her Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. I was going to say frenemy, but I don't, I don't know if they're really friends enough for that to count, but uh, there's this one girl who thinks, you know, she, she was kind of running the little group of novices before Risco showed up. And who is this new girl? And, uh, you know, she actually had a mother and uh, just has a chip on her shoulder, basically. And there's, one of the first scenes we get in the kitchen when they start working there after having, you know, had to work in the bathhouse for some time is the introduction to kimchi. And she just goes straight for it. And, you know, Oh yeah, this is cabbage, whatever. And shoves some in her mouth. And it's like, um,
0: Whoa, that's hot. <laughs> you may
1: want to watch out for that. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and the cook's like, well, you acted like you knew what it was. So I didn't want to stop you.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, but through the thread of it is that there's someone that's sneaking around and looking for something, which you don't quite know what. And so we do have a bit of a, an antagonist Mm -hmm. going on here, a little bit of a mystery on figuring out what's going on. And
1: there's a, there's the mystery of what is this school in the first place? Because if you've heard the word Kunoichi, you will know what this is about. Risco herself has not, and doesn't, know what this is and part of the book is her figuring the whole thing out mm-hmm. and then the other mystery is what is happening at this school like not just what is the school itself but then there's the these mysterious things being moved around or disappearing or appearing in places where you were sure you hadn't left them and people are res- of course, suspecting Risiko everybody. of this stuff. Well, mm-hmm. everybody, yes. But she gets named a few times just because she's the new girl. And maybe yeah. it's her. Or-
0: she's the new girl. And and her father may have been a traitor. So there's a little bit... She, she's got a little bit more of a black mark against her because of her family. And there's stuff going on that you find out in her background that kind of really... Add to the story and also make it so you are like, oh, okay, I understand how, why this is happening the way it is kind of a thing. So he's really, like Scott said, he's really done his research. He's really kind of put together this great story. I first read the story. I believe when he was first writing it, I was one of the betas. Um, awesome that read it before I think that he even really thought about it as being a book or more than an ebook. I don't know. So I think I've probably read this four or five times now
4: Mm because I've,
0: I've brought it back up a couple of times and whenever there's major updates or whatever, I've read it again. You know, I, I don't reread a lot of stories unless I really like them. So that should say that it's a pretty good story, at least in my mind. I don't know how the rest of you feel about it, but I, I've enjoyed it every time I've read it. And you know, I always, I catch new things. I caught new things just on this reread this time. Uh, mostly because now I know what's going to happen at the end. So I'm like, oh, okay, here's mm-hmm. some foreshadowing here. Oh yeah. I didn't catch mm-hmm. this the first time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I am. Ca- you I know. felt
1: like that reading, reading it through, I felt like this is a kind of a blindsiding thing. The, the sort of reveal at the end, um, how did this happen? Where did this come from? But then when I, when I looked back through a little bit, I spotted a couple places where you kind of get a few clues. Mm-hmm. So it is there. I feel like he might have wanted to lay some of them in a little bit sooner or made them slightly more obvious, but uh-huh. I, that depends on the reader, I think, too. So
0: Right. <laughs> and I don't know if he was planning on a series at the very beginning when he first wrote this or not, but uh-huh. I think the major reason that I wanted to bring this to people's attention and and the reason that i wanted to do the podcast on it was that i really liked it i wanted other people to be able to read it and i also wanted to bring attention to it so that he would have enough of a readership to be able to go on and do the the next book in the series and hopefully the story after that as well Mm -hmm. because you know if he doesn't have enough of an interest then i don't think it's going to happen or it's going to happen a lot slower so I just thought mm-hmm. it would be um a really nice thing. He did not approach me and ask. This was completely my idea. I went to him and said, Would you mind? And he said, Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I I would be very happy about this. But um yeah, I just I thought it was it was a neat story. It's not I've not read anything set like this before. I might have read <laughs> other stories kinda like it. Uh but mm. Yeah,
1: so. I mean it, it's a it's a young adult novel, so there are, mm-hmm. there are a few things that you know some some of the tropes that you would see in those you can pick out in here, but it is being set in Japan. There are not there's not nearly as many you know English language young adult novels that are set in historical Japan. I can't think of another one, although I'm sure there. I imagine there must be mm-hmm. other there ones, be. but Give I me can't a think of any I'll myself. <laughs> so yeah, but I. I really enjoyed reading it. It's, it's well put together and well written. Uh, I got, you very kindly sent me an advanced review copy. So I actually have a physical book to look at. And that being an advanced copy has some, you know, typos and things that are not quite polished up and think and stuff like that in it. But mostly it's a very engaging story and it pushes a number of my buttons because I like reading historical things and, you know, learning the details about these different places and lands. That's part of what I like about fantasy stuff as well, is learning the the new land that so-and-so has made up. And this one is even cooler because it's not actually made up. And then little details like uh, the kimchi uh, pushes a MasterChef Canada button for me because <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the, uh, like head chefs on that is a Korean guy, and so kimchi has come up a few times, so that's how I even know what it I'm is. I'm
2: just trying to picture, <laughs> but, like, Canadian food and kimchi and feeling miserably.
1: <laughs> it's, it's an interesting show, because, like, the original MasterChef has two Americans and Gordon Ramsay being the chefs. This one has a Scottish guy who and a Korean guy and... I don't know what extraction the other fellow is, but he's, he's the only one that has what I would call like a straight Canadian accent, but all three of them now live and work in Canada. So, you know, but they're international, internationally no renowned, uh, chefs. So they got to do this show basically. Interesting. And the, the Korean guy is the, the scary one. So he, <laughs> he kind of gets to be the, the Gordon Ramsay of the show, <laughs> but. You know they all have their own different things. It's not exactly the same as the American version, but uh, but yes, Kimchi has been referenced two or three times in that the episodes of that that I've watched. I haven't been keeping up on the recent ones, but uh that's how I even knew what that was. so I got the reference before the other girl was <laughs> before she up tasted this, it. <laughs> this, this strange red cabbage I'm going uh. Uh-huh, uh
0: Uh, don't bite into that
1: yeah and it's got like we said the mystery thread so if that's something that interests you it's fun Uh, it just in general tone it reminds me of the things i like about harry potter Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's i'm
2: glad i wasn't the only one who thought so
1: yeah there's really very little uh, that it actually has in common other than being you know teenagers at a boarding school Mm-hmm. Um, and even that, it's not exactly a boarding school, it's a different kind of thing. Right. But, well, but just not. the, yeah, the general, the feel is very much like the early Harry Potter books and it's something that I enjoy. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's got the, the little mystery of we're at this strange school where strange things are happening and then some other strange thing is happening and we have to figure it out. Right. You know?
0: And you know, there's they're at war. The there's war going on around them, so they also have that. While it's not necessarily right at their walls, they they still have that tension because well, they went through it. Yeah, they go through mm-hmm. it, and there's, you know, there there is a soldier that's staying at the school, and there's soldiers that kind of come in and out sometimes, and
1: mm-hmm. and other samurai and. Risco's father works for one lord who was nearby to their village and then this school is in the area of another lord and are they the good guys? Or are they the bad guys? What's going on with this? Um, and of course, because it's a war, you can't really tell. Like everybody has good and bad points basically. Um, so, you know, for those of you who like the political aspects of things and enjoy like Sharp's English war books or even To a very mild degree, like things like Game of Thrones. If you like the whole warring factions within a kingdom thing, there's some of that happening as well. It's just outside and a little bit in the background because it's not right at the school where they are. Yeah. But it's still, there is that feeling that more of that is going to come into play in the the later books mm -hmm. because things are going to, things are starting to move quicker and are going to eventually spiral out of control here so (laughs) you you get some of the build-up to that in the background of this book
2: yeah if i can't wait to read the other ones because i want to know more about the the stuff going on outside i'm like can we like cut to the chase here (laughs) (laughs) but the bit where she's dancing it totally reminded me of this book i read and so i figured out what was going on with that but it was a book about a and I don't. Okay, this is gonna drive me nuts until I figure it out. And I don't remember enough clues that there's a scene like it in said book.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was just like, this is just uncanny. Like I've read this before, and then I figured out why. But it was all, you know, it was all it was like really cool, like spy school stuff. So that that was really fun. I just can't wait until we get to the nitty gritty of what she's actually learning. Because mm-hmm. I'm like. This is nice, you know, from seeing, like, all the plants and stuff, because I'm really into that kind of stuff, too. But I'm just like, can we, like, learn how to fight and, you know, <laughs> all well, of that stuff? Well, and,
0: you know, I you think about it, okay, this, this happened a long time ago. We don't have gyms. We don't have elliptical machines. We don't have things like that. And we have mostly poor farmers or, or city people that the work that they do kind of gives them strength. But these... Mm-hmm. Girls are being taught to really have strength and tone their bodies, and and things that they they're going to need when yeah. they move on to the next step. And so, okay, there's
1: a little bit of Karate Kid in there. Yeah, it's yeah, like they're. Carrying stones from one area of the courtyard to the other. And it's these great big stones. And why are they making us do this? And it's yeah, terrible. And it's terrible. And hey, yeah. it's subtly easier to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I remember when I first got here, it took three of us to move a bag of potatoes. And now I can go pick up a bag of potatoes all by myself. So
2: Yeah, it's like when Harry can carry his trunk off the train on his own.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So David has just arrived. He reminds me of Scott. I, I got this message that said, Hey, I'm here, but Skype's being a butt. Give me a few minutes to work it out. <laughs> eh, geez. I hear that from Scott a lot, too. Uh,
2: Skype's not working. Oh, have I mentioned that we had, up until it all melted, well, mostly melted a couple hours ago, about two inches of snow on the ground? Wow, that's exciting. Yeah.
3: You have it, more snow locals, than us.
2: Well, we got really, really mad because it started... Well, so Sunday night, I think, it went from, like... It's sunny to like really really windy, and then it was snowing and sunny, and then it was windy. But and then there had been like a thunderstorm the day before, and local schools were canceled on Monday, and we were uber jealous because we were like we haven't had a snow day in like ever, and all the colleges are getting canceled, but us and elementary schools are canceled, and there's snow, and it's getting cold, and supposed to get really cold tonight, and then it's all melted. Aw, so like
0: boo. We're supposed to have eighty degree weather Thursday and Friday.
2: It was so hot, I was sweating in in my house, even with all the windows open. Like, it was it was crazy last week. Yeah, it, last week was gorgeous. So jealous.
0: And I've been sleeping with my door open because we've got the new chicks out on the lawn, and I want to be able to hear them if something tries to get to them. Wait, you just leave them out there? Well, they're in a little cage, but, oh, you know, if something wanted to get to them, they all sleep next to the cage. You know, they all... Sleep next to each other on th- at the edge of the cage. So if something wanted to reach its little paw in that cage and grab them, mm. it'd be pretty easy.
2: Okay. So did you have more to say about the story, Mooney? Part of me wants like the more the historical context, mm-hmm. but that's mostly the historian in me. Um. Plus, I've utterly forgotten all of my history lessons from school, <laughs> and I have no recollection whatever of what happens during the Warring States period. Oh, therefore, if anybody wants that link I sent you, Sue, would totally be a good uh, overview of the at least a little bit of Japanese history, okay, uh, including the Warring States period. It goes all the way back to like the formation of the Earth, but. <laughs> It speeds through it relatively quickly. But explain, Yeah, you know, so, so some of the names that come up in here, like the Inagawa and the Tokugawa. Hey,
0: Hello. that looks
4: like it worked. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, wonderful. Who needs I list? am so glad. For now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's that. But, you know, it's a podcast that happens. <laughs> it's how these things work.
4: Yeah, well, it's, it's technology is, is there to make it fun for us. Mm, is that the word? Yeah, well, it's something like that. Anyway. <laughs> I have another so word. So find
1: your enjoyment where you can.
4: Exactly, with
0: an F, but it's not quite fun. It's more like frustrated.
2: <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to go for a different word, but okay. <laughs> no, no.
4: Well, this is a young adult novel, so we don't go there.
2: No,
0: we try not to.
4: Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so welcome, David. Thank you. We've just spent about a half an hour talking about the story, but being very vague, and mysterious to try to get people yes. to want to read it.
4: Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, yes, we're not doing the full play-by-play uh, treatment for this one because we're hoping that people will want to find out the rest.
4: I would hope so anyway, although I would love to know what you guys thought of every play-by-play, but we'll talk about it again another time. <laughs> that would be um, fun.
1: Well, we can always do that and cut it out. <laughs> well,
4: there's that. Uh, there is always that. Hey, so I, I guess... Uh, Coming on, uh, you know, do you guys have any questions for me? I mean, is there anything that you, uh, once you had looked at the book, is there anything you looked up and thought, wait, I want to know more about XYZ, or I want to, I mean, was there something that you? Well, uh,
2: can we start at the beginning? How did you get into this? And Ah. and where did it come from and all of that good stuff? Um, Well,
4: I could give you the the, um, beginning of the world uh, view of it. But I I think I'll I'll zoom a little forward from there. Suffice it to say, I I grew up in in a household surrounded with Japanese things. My parents had lived in Japan before I was born. Um, And so I always had a deep love of things Japanese. Whereabouts
2: Uh, did your parents live?
4: Um, Well, if you know where Misawa is, it's way up at the northern end of Honshu, of the the main island, yeah. And it's a a naval base, an American naval base now, but it was an Air Force base, and my dad was in the Air Force there. Um, And so I grew up with, uh, you know, I had storybooks that I read that were in English, but they were Japanese stories. We had hangings on the wall. Uh, We had uh, these little figurines that were the inspiration for my first book. Your
2: house is more <laughs> Japanese than mine.
4: <laughs> I, well, that's the thing. I mean, it, I, and, you know, we, we celebrated Boys Day on May 5th and, and all of this stuff because, you know, it was me and my brother. And wow. so fast forward uh, a couple of years and I, I had my own kids and. My eldest uh was uh a subscriber to a magazine called New Moon, uh which is for girls. I mean it I thought it was fascinating, but but the idea is to it's you know, it's a magazine for girls. And it had an article about uh Konoichi and uh Lady Chiomi. Uh, and talked about how she had, you know, been, uh, at the, towards the end of the Civil War, uh, she had started a school for, uh, what was supposedly for, for shrine maidens, but it actually was for assassins and bodyguards and spies and all of that. And it showed some of the things that they, you know, like poisoned, uh, fingernails and, uh, parasols that had blades at the ends. I mean, it was very cool. Oh my and, God. Uh, yeah, very cool. <laughs> and I, I, I found myself reading this and thinking, Someone must have written this book. And I looked, and this is a, a while back, but it you know was far enough along that the Internet was very much there. And I went on Amazon, and I went on Google, and I looked, and nobody had written the book. And I thought, well, then it's going to be me. Now, the other thing that happened, so my older daughter is the kind of kid that when she was little, when she was on the playground, you, you could, you would never see her getting anywhere dangerous. She would be on the ground. She was very cautious. Uh, my, my youngest daughter, on the other hand, was the kind who would jump and then figure out where she was going to land. <laughs> I know those um, kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you do. And so I was after school one day, I was, uh, at a playground with her and, and one of her friends and the friend's mom, and we're hanging out. And you can hear the kids are running around and I mean, you know, you know, so uh, the mom and I are having this really very serious conversation about something. And all of a sudden we both look up and we can't hear the kids and we can't see the kids. And I'm like, uh, okay, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden we hear "Hi!" and they're way (laughs) up at the top of a pine tree, the two of them. And I mean, you know, once my my heart had gotten out of my throat, I sort of looked up and, you know, said, Wow, that's great. Why don't you come on down now, very carefully, please? (laughs) And they did. And it was somewhere, you know, as I was trying to think through what to do with the story of Lady Chiomi that I got. I keep thinking
2: you're gonna say something else. (laughs)
4: Oh, well, Lady
2: Chi! <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah, that's just an accidental you
1: know, location. Not
4: yet. Yeah, uh, but uh, the two ideas sort of came together, and I, I, I found myself. I wrote the first chapter of the book, and started working from there. So that was the. I mean, that was the inspiration. And uh, I mean, the Sengoku period is such an interesting period in terms of Japanese history. I mean, it was a civil war that lasted like 130 years. And so the whole society was kind of really tossed up in the air quite a bit. And it's like every uh samurai movie uh, you've ever seen, that's where, it, when it's set, you know, all the Kurosawa movies and the, oh gosh, I mean, I I used to watch a whole bunch of these things with my dad, you know, the Seven Samurai and uh, Kagamusha and, and all of these things, actually, that was when I was growing up. But they're all set during this period, and I love Japan, you know, Japanese culture in Japan. But as an American, one of the things that's hardest is that it's a very the traditional Japanese culture was very caste bound. It was uh, very rigid, as you know, who could do what. And one of the things that is kind of cool about the whole story of Lady Chiomi, and then I started thinking about, is that you get a hundred years of civil war. And that'll kind of loosen things up a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, yeah, sure. Okay. We're all going to be very careful about, you know, sticking to traditional roles, except then the village is wiped out. And then what do you do? You know, and you wander, people are wandering around and nobody knows who they are. So they don't know what, I mean, that's actually part of the story behind one of the characters in the Seven Samurai is that he's a farmer and he's decided he's going to make himself a samurai. And uh, I, so that was kind of the thing that I thought was cool. And so that's, again, that's part of the, the background. You've got all these different lords and, you know, alliances that are constantly shifting, and armies marching, you know, back and forth over the country. And here you've got this young girl who is sort of she just wants to climb trees. That's all she yeah. wants to do.
1: She wants <laughs> she's good to at do. climbing
4: stuff, and she's got good eyes. That's yeah. That's that it. basically well. That's why they call her Squirrel. And so, from my you know, I don't know. That's I, it was. It, it's a lot of fun. Sort of working out her story was really exciting. So I had a good time with it.
0: Well, that's great. Uh,
4: I mean, it's, um, if
0: you're going to write it, at least you're having fun with it. That's a good oh, thing yeah. to do, right? <laughs> you no, kidding.
4: Yeah. no kidding. I mean, uh, writing, uh, I mean, you know, is, is a pain. <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult enough thing to do. I mean, I, essentially, if you if you don't count the four years that I put it down because I, I got stuck and got, then got involved in a, in a major editing project. I worked on this for over 10 years. And if you don't really like it, you're not going to keep doing You're not it. I mean, keep
0: it's up with it, right?
4: <laughs> I mean, you know, and there were times when I thought, ah, oh, you know, to hell with it. I'm just, you know. Actually, the funny thing is, one of my wife is a high school teacher, and I, I showed one of the early drafts to the school librarian where she taught, uh, which she still teaches. And the school librarian and her husband, who is a re- retired English teacher, loved the first 20 chapters or whatever I showed them. Mm hmm. And so they kept saying, well, how does it end? <laughs> give us more. <laughs> what happens next? And and I said, well, you know, gosh, I you know, I can give you the outline. I can tell you, no, we want to read the book. And so I think they were as much responsible for me, you know, turning around and uh, figuring out what I wanted to do as anybody. The other thing that happened after I took that four years of writer's block is that I came back, looked at the outline. And realized. I mean, the book that I've been working on. Do you guys know what the hero with a thousand faces is? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vingil. It's the
1: yeah. Joseph Campbell um, that's right concept.
4: Um, right, and it, it, that's the book that launched the whole idea of the hero journey, which is so central to so many books and, and movies and things right now because uh, it basically lays out how people have been telling hero stories for you know as long as we have stories of the odyssey before, mm-hmm. before it's in gilgamesh but mm-hmm. um the thing that uh was interesting to me is I, I i edited that book i edited the 2000 i mean whatever i edited the most recent edition of the book i, mean, I can't remember the year but wow. but that took up a major chunk of my life for a couple of years and when i was done i came back to risico looked at the outline and had been thinking about story structure a lot Mm-hmm. And realized that what I had outlined as a single story is in fact uh, a three or four part series. Yeah. <laughs> and once I had done that, I looked at what I had written and thought, "Oh God, I'm more than halfway there." <laughs> and so
1: I, I guess I could do book one,
4: <laughs> right? Well, that's and that's in fact what you're holding. I'm I'm now writing book two, but that's a whole other story,
0: which we'd like to read. Well. <laughs> I can, which is why we decided to do this podcast, because we really wanted you to be able to get this one off the ground so that you could do the uh,
4: next one. That, well, that, that's really helpful, because it will be a lot easier for me to do book two if book one does well. But I'm going to write book two anyway, because to be honest, I couldn't not. It's <laughs> You know,
0: it's got a hold um, of you now.
4: Yeah, it's awful. I mean, I go to sleep and some people have have a whole morning writing ritual that they do. I mean, everybody writes differently. Right. I have discovered, and it wasn't on purpose, but as I'm going to sleep, when I'm writing, the story that I've been working on sort of bubbles up in my head. Mm -hmm. And either, you know, something that I was struggling with or whatever the section is that, you know, I was thinking about trying to write next or whatever, has a tendency to sort of float in my head. And so now I've got, yeah, another three books worth. (laughs) <laughs> that are kind of, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll suddenly look up and go, oh, yeah, that's that's book three. <laughs> <laughs> I um, have
0: a, a Western writer that I've loved forever. Uh, and he, he writes American Western novels, and he never set foot in America. He's from England, and he was an English postman, mail carrier.
3: There you go. There and you go. So well, he
0: would do his route and plan the stories through his whole day, and then go home and
4: write. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And there's well,
0: probably I mean, sixty or seventy books in the series.
4: Holy cow! Who is the remind me? Did you
0: say sixty?
4: Yeah, Western, it, Western writers tend S. <S. to be Edison? really prolific. That sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. My my dad, the one who turned me on to samurai movies, was his favorite thing to read was. Western. So we had like every Louis oh. L'Amour and Max Brand you I mean, that, so that either one of them say ever published.
0: Dusty Fog. Okay. It's, so that's his character.
4: Yeah. Well, I think he read some of these as well. He loved them. And I mean, the thing about it is, I mean, I, what I love about that story, Sue, is that, you know, I've, I've never been to Japan. Right. I've, I've spent a lot of time in my mind in Japan and I, I obviously feel a real affinity for the country and the culture. But I've never been there. I've always wanted to go.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So I'm, um, you know,
3: well, I
4: think the fa- the fact is, you know, our imaginations. I mean, J.K. Rowling never went to Hogwarts, so uh, <laughs> and Tolkien if, never went. If she went, had, had a
2: lot of the rest of us would have gone too. Uh,
4: yeah, uh, yeah, I I'd, I'd have been happy to go back and take school, go to school again. Two more days. Uh,
2: it opens near me in two more days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a state away, but it's a whole lot closer than Uh, Florida.
4: Oh,
3: yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, it it is. It's a kind of a funny thing. You know, people ask me, you know, why did I write a book about a girl? You know, because I certainly am not one of those. And, I, you know, I have what, you know, I'm a a middle-aged white guy with what Terry Pratchett used to call a a well-developed respect for depths. I don't like being way up high. And so, how I ended up writing about a Japanese girl who loves nothing more than being here. I mean, you know, and I guess, you know, the only answer that I've got for that is, you know, every, you write what you know. And I certainly, you know, there's a lot of my daughters in Risco Mm -hmm. and in in her friends. But to be honest, every character, every book is uh, an exercise in imagination. You're putting yourself in a place where you've never been, even if it's a place you've actually been. I mean, you know, no novel is ever purely just reporting. There's that leap of imagination. I think that's what's exciting about fiction. So I'm having fun with that.
0: Well, and it's so nice to see imagination used because they've taken so much of it out of schools and things now. So you know, just to be able to see things like this and to be able to recommend them to young adults because a lot of times they don't have that imagination no, anymore. No, And to I be mean, able did, to did. Yeah. really seep into a culture like this and you really did a, a really good job and you write girls really well. So, well, thank you, you know, <laughs> your, your daughters must be a great influence because you seem to have I this down. So you know so it's really cool to be able to see this because it does give imagination you know back to the young adults where a lot of times the schools just pull it out so well, i think I, it's
4: really cool i thank you i mean i think it's really interesting that at a time when so much of our education is pointed at numbers mm-hmm. you know at at test scores and anything but actually exploring, you know, uh, the, the life of the mind that, that what the kids are reading has become increasingly distant from the world they live in. And mm-hmm. that was, I mean, that was another part of it, to be honest. I, you know, the other sort of inspiration for the writing style of the book was that I was during the whole period of time when I started writing the book, I was reading the Harry Potter books and the Percy Jackson books, and uh artemis fowl books and a whole bunch of i mean all of that oh, yeah. just fabulous fabulous stuff and i was reading that to my daughters and i found myself you know as i was starting to write risico thinking you know because i went out and i looked for similar books and there really weren't any
3: right
4: that there were a few uh avi writes uh some historical fiction that's oh um a, a cross of uh, god i'm trying to remember
2: But but i the book in my head I can't
4: right and and there's there's a couple of them that I just loved that's the closest I was ever able to find most of the historical fiction is so heavy on the history that it I mean it's like you want to just put it down because it's not that interesting and I found myself thinking well why can't I write a historical book as if it were a fantasy novel Mm -hmm.
3: and so Mm -hmm. that's how
4: I approached writing writing uh, Risco. I know that I, I could have put a lot more detail about battles and who was allied with whom and, you know, what was going on geopolitically in Japan at the time. And I had done a lot of research about that. but
2: I the, don't know. The historian in me would have loved that.
4: <laughs> I know. And in fact, I've had a couple of people, you know, say they would have loved more of it. But I, I found myself thinking there was so much to sort of do to establish the world In which Risiko was living and Risiko wouldn't have been aware of much of that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so what I chose to do was sort of begin to introduce it as the book went on. And then, uh, not to, not to spoil anything, but obviously it becomes more important
0: in later uh, stories.
4: uh, Well, it becomes very important at the very end of this Mm -hmm. book. And then, then becomes increasingly important as each of each of the volumes is. Now, can you guess how many volumes there are going to be in the series? I'm going hmm. to four. Because seven. <laughs> no,
0: no, no! God, that's, that's the Harry Potter reference right there. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> no, it
4: started. It started as a trilogy, and I realized I was squeezing too much into the middle book, and so I, I decided to split the middle book. And then I looked at uh, what I had written about in Risico, and it's kind of. I mean, literally within the first few pages, it starts snowing mm-hmm. and it doesn't stop. This was the middle of what was called the Little Ice Age. And so it was a really, 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 these were hard winters. But mm-hmm. this book is all about the winter. It all happens while it's snowing. So it you're going to do Season. each of the seasons. Yeah. So that's, that's why the, cool. the Seasons oh, so. of the Sword. And oh, uh Interesting. Yeah. So that was that's a new way to approach it. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't how I mean. I, I started look really like just looking at it and thinking, okay, here's the plot arc that I want to follow, and I found my you know. I actually my wife and I were painting the inside of our house one day, and this is when I was just finishing up years ago. and she said, "What are you planning on for the other you know for the other books?" And I I literally for about three hours just talked through. The plot um, <laughs> was in book two and three. And, and she, she looked said, up and she why said,
0: did I ask this question? <laughs> no, yeah, well, I'm that's kidding. basically <laughs>
4: exactly what she said. I, and I, you know, I, it was actually a really helpful exercise because I had put a lot of notes down, but I had never actually just sat down and told somebody the story. It's a really fun thing. I narrate audiobooks. I know. And, and one of the things that I've discovered is that it's a really different experience of a book. And yeah. At that the oral presentation of it, the story, the story to, literally storytelling aspect of it, puts you in a very different space. And so, having that experience of my wife being very patient while we did three coats of paint in the in the dining room, sorry, you know, was actually incredibly helpful for me. And she was very <laughs> kind and patient, as she is often. Um, yeah.
0: And, and I agree with you. I listen to anything that I can. I mean, even for this, I load it in my text reader and listen to it with the robotic voice, which isn't nearly as good as, no. as somebody real reading it. But anytime that I can get an actual audio book, that's how I listen. That's how I read. Oh, yeah.
4: No, no, no. I, 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 I like both. They're different experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the, an ebook is a different experience than a print book. Um, it really just, there's something different about the interaction with the uh, text. Turning the pages. Physically. Right. At, well, mm-hmm. if you look at, at the face of somebody who's trying to remember a quote from a book, and you look at their eyes, you can see that the eyes are reading the page.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, it's a really funny thing. And so when you... Are interacting with a web page or with an ebook, I, and I, I—that's another thing that I do—is I design ebooks. So, ebooks are wonderful, but I really feel like you know, print has a very different kind of, in, you know, experience. And I, I get the feeling that that kids are leaning, you know, towards that. But what I was going to say is, when I was writing it, one of the things that I I found incredibly helpful. Was two things. First of all, I would read chapters out to my daughters (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you don't realize where you have let something drag or where you've let something or just skipped over something until Mm -hmm. you read it out loud. And the other thing that I did is exactly what you're talking about, Sue, which is when I got to the point where I didn't feel like I could read the book anymore which happened a while ago (laughs) and I still knew I had work I needed to do on the book. So Mm -hmm. what I, what I did was I, I have a Kindle fire and I plopped the text into the Kindle and had the Kindle read it to me. And honestly, I heard things that I would never have heard otherwise, errors, Uh but also things that made me look up and go, oh, why didn't I follow up on that? I should have written more, you know, or gee, this takes too long for me. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's snowing. Okay, we got it. That sort of thing. So I, as a writer, found listening to my own words read back to me incredibly helpful as an editing Mm -hmm. tool.
1: Well, and that's... There are things that you your brain fills in when you're reading. Oh, when, when you're reading mm-hmm. words on a page, you're like,
4: "Of course that word is there. I know that's and, what that sentence I'm, says." I know, and it's an awful feeling because I'm a professional editor, okay? <laughs> and so i i I couldn't possibly have left her name out of that sentence. And you look at the page, and I, you know, as I'm reading it, I see it there, right? But when I have the text reader read it to me, and it just goes, and then ran down the, you know. Right. It's like, what? What?
0: I have a lot of people ask me to beta things because I listen to it in the text reader. And you hear a a lot of the most basic mistakes are he, Mm and she, his, her, all of that. And your brain just goes, oh, that's supposed to say her and reads it as her. But the text reader reads it correctly. You know, whatever you put in there, Mm -hmm. it will say, yeah. I pull those out of things when i'm beta reading a lot because yeah i don't do punctuation ask scott i sense everything <laughs> i need you to scott, scott <laughs> punctuate things for me
4: but yes um, a, are your friend you're, yeah <laughs> no, you're a not. preschool teacher so <laughs> it's fine they don't know from punctuation
0: no we have um, enough trouble just learning how to do an exclamation point thank you very much yeah
4: uh, there you go but they like those i bet
0: yes they- um um, in a book called No David.
4: Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that book. That's, I, I, that was a good book. I was not that kind of boy. Uh, I'm glad. But yeah, well, but I love the book. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, it's really a funny thing. The age that we live in, cause you think about it. I mean, You know, I'm old enough that the first writing I did was I would write longhand, and then I would sit down at that typewriter, and typing was such an agonizing process. Uh, This is, I mean, you know, you had Mm -hmm. tape and whiteout and all this crap you had to use if you made any mistakes. So you would edit the (laughs) crap out of it first, and then, you know, before you even started typing it, to the point now where I can literally talk at my computer and it will take the words down and do something vaguely like what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, I we're going to get the right words. No. Well, know. especially when some of them are Japanese. It's really fun. <laughs> I, <laughs> <bet>. <laughs> yes. um, I, I have, imagine. I haven't, I, I, I can't really use speech uh, speech text because I get so distracted by, I have to, I have to check out. Oh,
0: I lost you.
4: Oh, oh, you're still here. Okay. So, for a half an hour,
0: oh, Dave, seeing... David, we lost you. Oh, we got oh. checkout, and then half an hour, and in between, okay. it was complete silence. So
4: oh, okay. So uh, I'm not sure what it went between checkout and half an hour. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, what I was going to say is, there's nothing like you know spewing at your uh, at your computer for a half an hour, and it's the most brilliant writing you've ever done in your life, and it's totally you know organic and wonderful, and you look back, and it's absolute gibberish. Yeah, uh, because. That, you the you know the, the dictation didn't, it, yeah. didn't quite get it and mm-hmm. so or or the words are there but you can't figure out what you were trying to say because it's not punctuated at all <laughs> and it's so I don't really go that route because it drives me nuts I end up having to spend more time editing it than is worth
0: yeah that makes sense
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
4: but I mean you know I, it just is wonderful that there are so many different ways to, to do things it. yeah
1: I've used it a few times when. Well, just recently, now that I actually have some of the technology that does it, but when you're falling asleep and have an idea, uh, I will read into my tablet or whatever, and then go to sleep, (laughs) and then hope that I can at least remember what I was doing in the morning.
4: Yeah, I still, I still have a a paper, you know, pad of paper next to the bed that I, you know, inevitably ends up knocked to the floor. So.
1: So then you wake up anyway. because you have Yeah, to wake I wake up. up I, yeah. To go hunt but, it down.
0: We had a, an author who keeps post-it notes in the bathroom because she always has her best ideas in the shower.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: I think that's part of the reason I like taking a bath. i <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot easier time like writing things down,
4: I think, than... Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I, I've done a lot of writing in baths too, which is probably not something you want to think about when you're reading my books. But um, <laughs> one of uh, Proust used to write in bathtubs. I think that I mean, was his place. That
2: was a bit uncomfortable, but I mean to like jot down ideas.
4: I don't have to like. No, no, no. You know? I know. I mean, not not a lot of writing, but you know, he he would actually just hang out in the bathtub. I think, if I remember the story correctly. But it would get cold after a while, yeah. unless you had a hot, unless you have a hot tub. Yeah. In which case you would turn into a prune. But, I don't uh, think Proust had a hot tub. <laughs> no, I doubt it. I very much doubt it. Yeah. Unless he was Although literally on top of a volcano. I would get a volcano
2: or <laughs> would be also awesome yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm. I
4: mean, huh. Was one of the things that I I wish I, I you know I love hot tubs, and mm-hmm. the the whole Japanese, you know, idea of bathing, it's very public. I couldn't write about that, obviously, in a young adult, middle grade book. And so, you know, I kept sort of thinking, oh, I'll write a scene, and oh, no, I can't write a scene in the bath <laughs> in the tub, so. this, is, this
2: is not Game of Thrones.
4: <laughs> no, no. Maybe in later volumes, I don't know. Yeah, um, the, we can I mean, grow pe- with the characters. Well, it was one of the things I thought that, that you know, the Harry Potter books did so brilliantly. And I, I if I, if I were to, uh, you know, if somebody were to give me 10 minutes with her, I would have two questions. And one is, have you ever read The Hero with a Thousand Faces? Because either she read the book and used it to help her plan the series, or, or she totally is plugged into the same ideas that Campbell was,
3: mm-hmm.
4: both of which are possible. And the other question I, I would want to ask is, did you plan for the style to mirror Harry's maturation so much? Or was that just that your writing matured? Yeah. And she might not be able to. Probably both. Probably.
0: Yeah, that's, Probably. that would be my my thought too.
4: But, but it's, yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. <laughs> that she was able to do that. It is. Okay, who's got birds? I was, I, I was going to ask it's that. It's the
0: babies. The chicks are outside my door. Oh,
4: okay. oh that's very sweet. Yeah. What are they doing outside your door?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, we've moved them out of the building that they were in onto the grass because they're growing.
4: Oh. I was
0: having so much trouble with the internet, I had to open my door to... To get a better, clearer signal because otherwise Scott (laughs) was talking like this and it was hard to understand. So I'm sitting here freezing to death because. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
4: Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing the the chicks with us because they're very entertaining too.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. I live on a farm. What can I say? Oh, no. Some days it's frogs. Some days it's the cats. (laughs) Today it's the chicks.
4: Yeah. Uh, no, we have and cats.
0: Bedtime. Oh. They get really loud at bedtime. So.
4: Oh, the it's chicks a, do.
0: Yeah, the chicks do. It's about time to go out and cover them. We <laughs> we put a tarp over them at night so that the predators can't get to them.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sort of like a, a an enormous uh, uh, Tweety Bird cage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like four foot by eight foot, the cage that they're what? in. Something wow. like that. How to- many of them in there? Eighteen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't lose any this year. That's nice. very cool. Although the new kitten really wants
4: one, really badly to play with.
0: I won't do hurt it. Really, friend. I
4: won't. Oh, oh! I have fish and and cats, and the and the cats are oh constantly dear. looking at the fish. I I have ne- I I keep waiting to find one of the cats literally swimming in the fish tank because mm-hmm. it's at a place where they they couldn't jump in or out easily. But these are very smart cats. And you know, yeah, one of these days I'm going to come up and and the fish tank is going to be there. There are going to be no fish in it, and there's going to be one big happy cat, very cat. wet cat. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> he's not going to be very happy if he's really wet. No, that's no. true.
4: That's true. Yeah. He's, a, he's a our our tom cat is a grump anyway, so uh, he's not happy about much. He and I share share miseries a lot because we're the the only guys in in a house full of females. So. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. I have no complaints, but he does. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I um, was on Facebook earlier, and I saw the grumpy cat, and it said, my Patronus is a Dementor. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, that's bad.
1: <laughs> okay. that's I don't think that works. That, that causes, like, a singularity or something. Uh, divide yeah, by be. zero.
4: Yeah, pretty good. That would be pretty good. Now I'm thinking about grumpy cat, which is not good. <laughs> Start. Put a cat in the next one, please. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, actually, I, I there's, I mean, again, it's not a spoiler. There's there's rats in this one, and I kept thinking I should have just given them a cat, but then there wouldn't have been rats, and I needed there to be rats, but that would be a spoiler if I told you why, so I can't. Rats are good. Rats, well, rats are rats are wonderful. They yeah. go everywhere mm-hmm. humans do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's so true.
0: laughs> they are getting but, loud out there. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> It's pretty good. (laughs) So what did you guys think of the book? I mean, I don't want to, you know, put you on the spot. As I told
0: them, this is probably my fifth read of it.
4: Yeah, I know. Thank (laughs) you, Sue. (laughs) you read it before I'd even finished it. So, uh, yes, uh, you've read it.
0: I I did read it a a while back, and then I've read several versions or, you know, several pieces of it. So uh, if... If I didn't like it, I wouldn't have been reading it that many times. So that that so should say something. <laughs> but no, thing. I I really like I like the the learning about the Japanese culture, and of course, you know, I love cooking and herbs. So having that <laughs> kind of stuff in it always makes me happy. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Is we'll let stuff about Korean cooking. Yeah, we'll <laughs> let Scott that.
0: tell um, you what he said about uh, the cook. Yes.
1: What uh, your a Korean cook is basically Hagrid, <laughs> in it's some really ways. because
4: anyway. I've had a bunch of. Well, he is, except uh, he's a lot sharper than
1: Hagrid. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's
3: he's, he's like, not
1: Hagrid true. in every way, but no. just in some some aspects of him remind me of Hagrid. I, I, it's I that understand. sort of character.
4: Yeah, uh, and well, I, I wanted to have. I mean, you know, it's hard because you've got – there weren't a lot of non-Japanese people in Japan in 50s. There still are. not No, but there were even fewer then. Yes. And so I knew I wanted to have somebody who wasn't Japanese. And so I'm then in the position where it's like, well, damn – I mean, you know, I could write him with a Korean accent and I could work hard to figure out what that sounds like. But a Korean accent wouldn't sound to a Japanese person like a Korean accent sounds to me. Right. So at that point, what I, I did, I had uh, a, a writer, a young writer friend uh, who was Korean American. And I, I, you know, I emailed her and I said, look, this is going to sound like a ridiculous question. But if I were Japanese, which is uh, the the accent tends to be very... Even they don't vary notes a lot. It stays in the same range a lot. It's like people from the Midwest and in the U S it's not it, a tonal it, language. Exactly. Well, unlike most unlike of the Asian, Chinese like Chinese or Vietnamese, which are the the tone is part of the meaning of the word, but Korean is not tonal. I don't think uh, I'm pretty sure not. But what she said is, well, if, if, if I was Japanese, it, it's a very, uh, the Korean accent is very energetic and bouncy and varies a lot they they go up and down in tone and so i started saying well you mean like an italian or a, like somebody who's like scottish and she said yes like that and so as i'm writing i started trying to write Kisun in my head with sort of an italian accent and that became horrible very <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> and and the so italian chef, I, yeah. I, I will tell you oh god <laughs> Well, you know, I am. God, it would be awful. <laughs> Mamma So, in fact, what he is, and it's very funny because I've had people say he reads to them like he's a Southerner in the U.S. And I think, really? What in there makes you think that? Or I've had uh, one person say he sounded um, Swedish to them, um, which is closer, actually. Yeah. But no, it's <laughs> He's a Scot. I mean that the, the accent that's in my head as I'm writing it is Scottish. It's Scottish. I mean it's going to be a really interesting thing cuz I'm, I'm getting ready to do the audiobook and it's like do I, you know, do I have her do a Scottish accent? Do I have her just do an accent that makes and sense? Just to see
1: what so happens.
4: And yeah. See what happens? I mean it was kind of fun. I mean he's one of my favorite characters in the book.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Cuz he's like Hagrid, in that he doesn't necessarily follow a straight line. He doesn't go where you think he's going to go. Right. The difference mm. is he's a little sharper and so he goes where he wants to go. Um, you know, there's, yeah. there's some of the, you know, so he
1: doesn't of, have a Dumbledore.
4: <laughs> I often have said that. Yeah. No. Well, he does. <laughs> he, he does. His, his Dumbledore is Lady Chiomi, who's one of my other favorite characters in the book. She's mm. fun. I, I, I love writing her because she's just, on this borderline between really not nice mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and and being a really interesting lady. and uh, you know, i I got that because the story demanded it, and also from that story that I told you about that talked about the historical lady Fiomi, right. I knew that she had to have been a pretty tough old lady to have done what she did. and so, and Samurai women were raised to fight. I mean, they actually were raised to use, they were trained to use spears and swords and things, because when the men were away fighting, who was going to protect the house? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not, you know, totally coming out of nowhere that these women are learning to use weapons. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Lady Chiomi. Yeah, she's fun. You know, more of a, a Professor McGonagall, I think, than a Dumbledore. But, mm-hmm. yeah. sorts or of a she- Oh, yeah. Kind of like if you took the two of them, a little bit of both, Um, which is a really scary combination, actually. (laughs) I I had somebody compare Emmy, who is the the girl that's friendly with with Risiko. Somebody uh, described her. uh, I've had people describe her. do Do you guys know Firefly? The TV yes. show. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Had one person describe her as uh, reminding uh, Emmy reminded her of um, Kaylee. That's Kaylee Frost.
1: Yeah, I yeah. could do that.
4: Just, yeah. um, Just And then somebody else thought it reminded uh, she Emmy reminded her of Luna Lovegood, which I, 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 you yeah. guys know one of my favorite characters. Also, so that was okay by me. I didn't mind. That She's works. somebody who, who does. Yeah. Again, you don't quite know yeah. what. What she's where she's going, or what she's going to do. I
1: feel That's, like all three of them would get along if, for some oh, reason. Oh, you know, I would want Kaylee to, and Luna <laughs> ever met.
4: That would I would yeah. want to hear that conversation because that oh would be. Oh a, my goodness! Did um,
0: you see Luna? Oh yeah, this is going to get us way off topic. Luna, okay. uh, just like sitting there while Kaylee's repairing the engine and just having yeah having a conversation yeah. about just yeah. even about the engine. It would be
2: hilarious.
4: It would be. It would be good. It would be and good.
2: she'd be, like, trying to blame Nargles
4: and, like, casting <laughs> spells. And
2: Kaylee yep. would just be like, leave me alone.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Kaylee never says, leave me alone to anybody. No. I mean, that's the thing about Kaylee is she's the nicest person in the world. Yeah. And she's mm-hmm. a badass at the same time. I mean, you know, she's very funny that way. You don't mess with um, her. no. No. I mean, that's uh, I, what I love about that whole show is you've got, I mean, probably the, the toughest person in that whole crew is Zoe. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they don't make her any less feminine for it. It's really fun to watch. Yeah. So I think yeah, I'm trying to think how to
1: get <laughs> <give laughs> us back, back. <laughs> yeah. back uh,
4: and I can't think of a good way. So
0: we'll just put the boomerang sound effect in right here. Brring! And then we'll
4: just <laughs> go back to where we were. And right. Yeah,
1: there's just as I as I said in our uh, previous part, there's there's lots of bits in here that kind of push all my buttons. Like I enjoy young adult books in general, so there's some of the sort of general plot points and things that go in there. And you've got the going away to school thing. If you like boarding yeah, school sort of I, stories I that, that there are purpose. many.
4: But by God, I mean, it really is part of the boarding school genre. I didn't mean for it to be. I mean, mm. yeah. You've
1: got the, all the historical and the details of things. You've, you've really done a lot of research, and it shows. Like you, uh, I know you said you've got a lot more research that didn't make it in, but uh, yeah. I think you did a very good job of, of putting it in there in such a way that you just – if you're interested in those details, you can find them and look into them and do learn lots of things. And if, you, right. if you're not, it just goes by as part of a really good story.
4: And um, one of the things that, that I, I figured out, and I, I'm going to guess that the version of the book that you guys got doesn't have this, is that I put a map, a better map, in, and it's up at the front of the book. Uh. Mm.
1: Yes, mine uh, does not have a map at the front. I think there's a small one at the back,
4: and it's not easy to read. It's not a very good map. I hadn't really intended it to be for anybody other than me, but I, you know, at the point where I was putting that version of the book together, uh, I needed to put something in, so I put that in. Mm-hmm. But it's a clearer map, and it sort of shows, you know, all of the all of the provinces that that Risiko goes through, and then which clan controls which province, which yes, isn't that would a lot. Be yeah. I mean, it isn't a lot, but at least it's something. I mean, you know, it was really, I, it, I found myself as I was doing rewrites recently having to go back and try to look at some of the timelines mm-hmm. because, I, you know, you realize it's like, you know, oh yes, this clan controlled this part of this province. Yeah, <laughs> for this year, but, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah. I'm like, okay. I, and so I, I've given myself a, a certain amount of leeway. I figure if Shakespeare can write Characters that died, you know, that one died 15 years before the next one was born, if he can write them having a conversation, um, you yeah. know, then then in his history plays, then then I can, you know, yeah. move a couple of months around here and, and there.
1: This um, is historical fiction. It's not an it's actual fiction. window on history. <laughs> you, yeah. yeah.
4: No. And, and honestly, I have always felt, and this is maybe, I mean, I know, Scott, you're an actor as well. So maybe this is something that makes sense to you, but every time I write, it's the characters that really engage me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true when I read too, I mean, it's why writers like JK Rowling and Terry Pratchett and the rest really fascinate me because they write characters that are incredibly compelling. Mm -hmm. And so my, you know, my focus was more on, on them and their journey than not to use a word that, that is a little loaded, but that rather than you know worrying too much about the dates and the times and all of that stuff.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and Risiko has a very clear voice. Like it it's it's easy to read through. And mm-hmm. as you said, there there's stuff that she doesn't notice and things that we don't get to know because she wouldn't know them. And some of that is like, oh I want to know more about this person, but she's not going to be there looking.
4: I know. Mm-hmm. Hey, one of the things, when I mean, I think when Sue first read the book, this was still true. Or maybe I'd already changed it. But the when, uh, the first early drafts of the book, Risiko was talking to her sister.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, kind and, of
4: remember. Right. And so you had this weird thing where she would sort of pull back occasionally and say, Now, I didn't know this at the time, but, uh, you know, <laughs> and I realized it was a bad, it was just bad. And so I got rid of that. But but at the same time, one of the things when you're writing in the first person is you really do have to think about who's who's she talking to. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, in my mind, she's still talking to her sister, but, but it means that there are some common, you know, there's some common language. But at the same time, you know, so much of what happened, the sister Usuko would have no idea about. So it, it means that. You know, she can explain it, and not. It does. It it makes sense that she would explain it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so. the things that you think about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to cut it short, but I know that mm. it's getting really late where Mooney is. I don't quite yeah. remember where you are, and my chickens would really like a bed. <laughs> yeah,
4: they sound like they want they want some attention. They, they want yeah. to they get, get covered, covered you, up. Well,
1: so. yeah. mm-hmm. well, thank you Is for joining us. Is there anything else that you would want to uh, let people know about the book or your progress on the next ones or things oh. that you want people to? Uh,
4: well, uh, I, I, I can tell you that the website, risco.net, I'm releasing chapters. I'm getting ready to start releasing chapters from Book Two. Oh, goody! But yeah, I won't exciting. be doing. That. Oh, I know. But I won't be doing that to the public for a little while because that'll be confusing. Having spoilers before the first book is even available. Yeah. it's huh. probably not a good idea. But but if you go to risuko.net, dot uh, there's lots more information about the book. There are chapters you can read. You you can read. Some, you know, uh, me writing about, you know, some of the stuff that we've talked about, you know, how I came to write the book and Mm -hmm. and what I was thinking about. And so that would be a place. And also, you can order it there, which is nice. But but also there are ways of contacting me. And so if you had uh, any questions or if you had anything you wanted to let me know, that would be the best way to get in touch with me. Cool. All
1: right. right. So um, Risco.net. Yeah. And then, yeah, there are a prologue and fifteen chapters up there at the moment. So yes, if-
4: and in fact, I figured out uh, that that I'm going to stop. Shh! Don't tell anybody. But I'm going to stop posting <laughs> the chapters uh, uh, when the book is published, and that means I'm going to get up just to a point where things start getting exciting, <laughs> which is very cruel of me. Okay. But that was kind of uh, kind of on purpose. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So you can read those and see if, if any of what we've talked about has kind of piqued your interest. You can read those and see if you'd really want to keep going with the rest. And then if you want the second half, you're going to have to get the book. <laughs> going
4: to have to get the book. When's the book coming out? The, we book, uh, the publication date? Yes. yes. We, no, I have a date. Hey. It's uh, June, June 15th. Okay. And so that probably knowing how such things go it will probably be already out by the time this is released no
0: i'm gonna try to oh. get this released pretty quickly
4: yes oh good that's well the... then you can edit that bit out i okay. apologize <laughs> uh, okay. uh, at but... the time of recording there are 10 weeks
1: and 12 hours until release you're
4: yeah. on the website you know when i started that counter it was over a year Wow! And it—I was the—I mean, nobody was went to the website because there were no links to it. But I would go and I would look at that, and it just seemed surreally long. I mean, you know, I had, you know, thought, oh God, that's a long time till it's going to be out. It's forever. I've got all this time to do all of the <laughs> stuff that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm now. It's two and a half months, and I'm like, oh my God! <laughs> Doesn't seem like very long. Now.
0: No, it's not. That's exciting. Well, thank you again for coming on thank and talking you. to us because that was really fun. It's always fun to talk to you and yeah. to actually talk to you with a voice is very fun because normally <laughs> I just text with you. So yeah. that's, that's fun too. And, uh, we'll get this out probably in the next two weeks. I will get you a oh, link before it goes out so you can hear what we said about your story before we talk to you. And, uh, and I'll let you, you know, right. listen to it first and then I'll right. put it out on. On the Puffo Exchange,
4: so I'm looking forward to it. And thank you guys so much for uh, for for reading the book and and for talking about it.
0: Yeah, I it really fun. appreciate it.
4: And of course, Ooh, the great thanks. thing is now I can you know I can link to it, yeah. so you guys will get a whole bunch of people coming. Oh in. my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's I, what we... I, I mean, people are actually. I did
2: not think of that. <laughs> I
4: mean, you know, well, I think that from my point of view, that's the least that I can do is send some people your way hopefully some people will go and listen and then check out some of the other stuff because there's a lot of great stuff on that site. You guys have there's how has anybody Sue have you ever like counted up how many hours How's Yes, that? somebody <laughs> oh,
0: has. Somebody did but it's been about a year since they did it. I think it's I think we're what was it? Um 3 months worth or something like that Holy if you just cow. listened. <laughs> Okay, well, clearly I have no idea what I'm talking about. I found the post from Ryan and it was nine days and four hours or something like that. And yeah, I don't know, but that was from a long time ago. So we've got more than that. (laughs) To all of it, it was something like that. It's in one of the threads on the forum. I don't remember exactly where, but yeah, there's somebody did figure it out.
4: That's impressive. All of our episodes. Yeah, yeah, but I on, on all of the various podcasts. Okay, I mean, so that yeah. is
2: everything. Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah no. there's there's a
2: lot. That seems kind of light. Yeah,
4: yeah,
0: and and maybe it's more. I mean, I'm just going from memory, and I've slept since I read it, so you know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So.
4: Thank but, you again.
0: Well, thank you, and we will. Cool. I'll be in touch with you soon and let you know what's Great. going on and. I will talk to the other two of you soon as well. And
1: mm-hmm. if you
0: guys have and fan fiction you want send me you to. send you
1: my spo- spoilery questions in another medium. There you go. <laughs> and, yeah. Please do. Yeah, and if please do.
0: Anybody has Harry Potter, Potter fan fiction that they want on season eight, send it to me and I'll read it and see where we're going to put it.
1: Mm-hmm. If any of you are, are fans of David's who've come to listen to this, um, FooFoo Exchange is where we cover anything that's just sort of random other things. Uh, (laughs) We also have Potterfic Weekly, where we cover Harry Potter fan fiction in depth, (laughs) mostly.
0: We're in depth. (laughs) We're we're very in depth. When we're not off topic. We're in depth when we're not off topic.
1: Yeah. There's also a lot of off-topic. And then there's Point of View Weekly, where we decided, hey, we're off-topic all the time anyway, let's just make a podcast where we're off-topic together.
4: I bet that's hard. No. Having listened to it, it just suddenly occurred to me that actually staying off-topic together... Is, is it's not easy it's yes well we've sort of in
1: recent in, in probably the last season of it we've started having uh, at least a general topic for part of the podcast so that yeah. we have something we can all you Pop know weigh in topic. on topic But then we do have probably the first half where we just chat and talk about what's happened in our lives for the past two weeks or however long it's been since last we recorded one. So. Well, wonderful. And
0: if you like Dungeons and Dragons, we actually have a Dungeons and Dragons Harry Potter podcast. Or yes, episodes? We, it's not a I, podcast, uh, but episodes. No.
1: We did about, what, seven six. episodes of Point of View Weekly. Six or seven, yeah. That were The Aurors, which is basically a role-playing game of us being horrors. Well, I, I should I say that. us. I never got to be in it. I was going to be in the next episode, and then we ran out of steam. So... Uh-huh. <laughs>
4: I, I think I want to go listen to that though. That sounds absolutely hysterical.
1: It's really funny. I believe. When you if you go onto is... to dot there is a link to just those episodes, okay. so you can get sort of the whole arc of the orris okay. for the first yeah, little bit a, there. there.
0: There's a little Doctor Who mixed in here and there, but you know, Ooh, cause that what, sounds that's what Bob was watching Doctor Who. So
4: there you go. But there you
1: yes, go. when your dm is watching other media it, it sort of leaks through
4: it bleeds yeah well funny so, how that happens yeah funny how it happens in everything yeah. hey you guys should go i need to go all right but Late. it's so <clears> wonderful <throat> to talk to you yeah well but it's good to talk to you all yes. thank you all right mm-hmm.
2: all right good night bye-bye good night
1: Thanks for listening to our coverage, everyone. I hope it's made you want to check out Risco. We will have a link to risco.net in our show notes and also a link to the Risco Facebook page so you can follow along there as it gets closer to publication time. Good night, everybody. And they it's only a podcast. But we know it's much more than that. I went
2: and saw my down doctor tonight.
1: It's a community all of its own where we even have our own sorting hat.
2: There was a word out for my red.
1: Where the hosts are all our friends. Go to hell! And the story is told by Jen.
2: I can't decide if I'm you're
1: going before the end. to take we where the story Keep
2: each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.